Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Welcome to episode one of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast hosted by Dare to Dream. My name's Ross Flanagan and I'm your co-host of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast and sitting alongside me is the CEO and founder of Dare to Dream, Jamie Glazier. It's a great honour to be able to sit alongside Jamie and help him bring this podcast to life. It's a podcast about golf, but as the name suggests, it's a podcast about the mental mastery part of the golf game, which is the one that is the deep, dark area where We're going to delve into over the next series of podcasts and help you become better at golf by understanding exactly what mental mastery is. So we're going to take you on that journey. Beside me, Jamie Glazier. Jamie Glazier, welcome to what is your podcast. Thanks, Ross. Um, Yeah, I obviously uh, pretty excited to get this this ball rolling. Uh, It's been a little little while in the making. I know that uh, you and I have been sort of playing a bit of golf the last 12 months and discussing, uh, you know, st- starting a mental game podcast. And uh, I have to thank you for, for giving me the kick up the bum a few weeks ago to, uh, to get this started. And uh, as I said, I'm, I'm really excited to, um, to, to get this ball rolling and, and help uh, give some guidance to the, the club level golfers, the amateur golfers, uh, all golfers out there, uh, a bit of guidance with the mental game. Well, mate. If it was a kick up a bum that was needed um, to get it going, it was well worth it because I think, you know, you and I have spoken long enough about golf along that journey of playing together and, you know, we've seen each other play and I think we know each other's games fairly well by now and certainly you know mine. And I'm a big advocate for how your world can help my game improve. Now, I've not really ever you know, delved into practicing, um, the, I guess, the, the mental side of game, uh, the game, but it's an area that I've got great interest. So when you said, you know, can, can you help, um, help me with the podcast, it was absolute no-brainer. And, um, you know, I know that from my contacts and from the people on the My Love of Golf podcast, you know, when we announced that we were doing this, it was so well-received that uh, I think there's a lot of people that need that type of help and um, are really going to be engaged in what you can bring them through this means of, uh, of learning. So I guess to kick it off, you know, let's tell the listeners a little bit about you and your background in this area. How did you become a mental coach and when did all that journey start? Because a lot of people do know you, but, you know, this is going to reach around the world. A lot of people will want to know who Jamie Glazier is. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, interestingly for me, I was a, as a teenager, an elite tennis player, uh, sort of ranked inside the top 25 in the country and uh, the physical ability was there, but at times the, the mental ability uh, wasn't there under pressure situations or big matches. I felt like my mind broke down and uh, when I sort of started to teach tennis uh, when I was 19, um, I actually quit playing professionally I, I sort of gave up that dream of playing professional tennis and I took up the game of golf um, just to feed my competitive sort of instincts and uh, and I got hooked very quickly and I sort of got down to a, a pretty low handicap uh, within about 18 months I was down to a, I think a handicap of one or two and um, as soon as I started to get into competitive golf the same thing happened my mind just got in the way and I couldn't perform the way that I uh, I knew I could on in some of the bigger events. And um, one of the things that uh, I suppose interests me was I sort of – I went and seek, sought the help of some a sports psychologist and it just didn't hit the spot. I just felt like there was more to it than, than what I was sort of, you know, getting access to. So I just started to research the human brain and the, and the human mind and – uh, human behavioural patterns, and uh, I found some things for me that were were really you know impactful, and and that's uh, when I started the business. So I've been running the business for about seventeen or eighteen years, 
and have been on the journey of sort of mental performance for uh, for probably 22, 23 years. Um, so it's not a, you know, you're not a, you're not Dr. Jamie Glazier, it's a, but is it psycholo- psychology based or what, I guess, empirical learning or what learning skills have, have you know, you developed over those 17 years or, you know, what courses or that sort yep. of thing? Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, so... I'm not a clinical psychologist, no. um, so I'm an NLP master practitioner, which is neuro linguistic programming, yep. uh, which um, has an element of neuroscience and an element of psychology. So, um, and and I I think golf, the mental game, there is a decent amount of neuroscience um, involved in it, as well as psychology. So you you blend those together, and uh, I think that's where I come from you know, a bit of a different direction than, say, a lot of sports psychologists might. And I think that was the one thing that I mentioned to you the other day in in wanting to deliver this podcast is I want to deliver content that maybe people haven't heard before. Mm. I want to bring something different, something fresh. Uh, Ever since day one of starting the business, my main goal was to break the human mind down and provide practical strategies, practical exercises uh, for golfers, uh, for athletes to improve their mental game, similar to a, a strength and, con- and conditioning coach would to, to the body. Um, so in your experience, what other types of sports have used, you know, this type of education and coaching to develop their performance? Oh, look, I think absolutely every sport. Um one of my passionate areas and, and again, the, the the main driver behind me wanting to get this podcast and some of the video programs off the ground is sports psychology or mental performance training generally is accessed by elite yeah. athletes. So your amateur or club level golfer, they don't get as much access to this information. Um, now, the last sort of three and a half years working out at Royal Melbourne Golf Club with the members and, and, and having access to members of all over the sandbelt uh, in general um, has really helped me to see how important mental performance training is for the for the average golfer for the club golfer like you and I and for the mid to high handicappers because they're the ones that you know the mental game really really affect because their let's say their physical ability isn't as good as an elite athlete so an elite athlete or a professional golfer can get away with a little bit more of a uh, say an unproductive mental game because their physical game is so good. Mm. Um, but us as club golfers and the mid to high handicappers, they can't. So it's an area that I think really um, certainly gets in the way of their enjoyment and performance. So you mentioned uh, you're working down at Royal Melbourne Golf Club and basically down there, you know, you provide a service and a coaching service um under the umbrella of the professional staff down there. Yep. Um, anyone can come and see you down there, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. right. Yeah. So um, but 17 years in the game, you know, what other um, areas have you coached in or what other experiences have you, you know, had along that journey that's led us up until this point? Yeah, look, I did uh, a, a lot of different athletes, a lot of you know, AFL footballers. I've done a lot of work with um, a lot of different sports, basketball, um, every sport, archery. I uh, worked with a um, Commonwealth Games medalist years ago who was in in uh, in archery, and I did have uh, done some corporate high performance stuff. And uh, it was probably three years ago that I decided to just narrow my my business down to golf specific. Yep. Um, I'm a passionate golfer and have been for 20-odd years and, um, you know, it's my hobby uh, as well as it's my profession and uh, I really use, I suppose, my my journey back into the game the last few years because I had 10 or 11 years away from the game after back surgery. So coming back into the, the, the game the last four or five years, it's I really feel like I'm learning a lot more about how the mind does really impact a golfer. Yeah. Um, you know, I came back, uh, played for about 18 months and then all of a sudden got the yips. And when I was playing, my short game and putting was always my strength. And uh, it was a really interesting sort of experience for me because it was for the first time I actually really got to experience what it felt like to have the yips. Now, I felt like I knew what the brain was doing mm. um, and I worked with you know, help cure the yips in so many people through the years. But 
for me to have it myself, it gave me a greater appreciation for what actually went was going on and more importantly how uh, empowering this, some of the strategies that I, that I had for clients when I put them in place, how, how good they were to manage and, and ultimately eliminate the yips. You'll certainly be able to help me with uh, that <laughs> as part of this, mate. And if nothing else, I come away with uh, curing some of my uh, putting and chipping yips. That would be first-class result for me. Now, mate, if you follow you on Instagram, you know, you see how well-travelled you are through the Dare to Dream work that you do. Yeah. Are you able to tell us about some of the elite players that you've worked with without um, breaking any professional confidences and all that sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, I think it's um, – you know, uh, Lucas Herbert I've worked with for f- the last sort of four and a half years, um, young Aussie guy that, uh, you know, had a really great uh, 2018, uh, got himself into sort of 72 in the world um, and uh, he, you know, had a, had a great run. Um, young Ryan Ruffles, and another Aussie uh, that I work with and um, you know, a lot of, uh, of Australian pros, um, elite amateurs here in Australia, um, I do work with an amateur, I probably can't mention her name yeah, for NCAA rules, but um, uh, a young sibling of another client of mine who uh, who won a big tournament in the US that might be named the US Amateur a few months back. So, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely blessed to have the opportunity to work with, with people of that ability and, uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Well, it's been, a, for me, you know, sitting back on the sidelines and watching um, you, you fly in and fly out of the country and, you know, head off to you know, a lot of European tour events and, uh, you know, see who you got up close and personal with, you know, which I think I can say, you know, included, you know, walking the fairways in the same group with Tiger. Yeah, um, yeah. It's mind-blowing the level of uh, experience that that must, uh, you know, add to the, I guess, the knowledge bank and just being able to, you know, see and, and be near that uh I don't think that there's many people in the world in, in this sort of field that would access uh, that type of experience. So, mate, it's great to have uh, you sitting alongside us doing this. So you made the point that, you know, this the intention of this podcast, I guess, is really, you know, to help people like me, help people like you listening at home, the club golfers of the world, um, become become better golfers, become more complete and become more prepared when you uh, tackle the course. Sometimes that preparedness might not necessarily start, you know, at the practice range or the first tee. You know, we were talking earlier on, it might actually start the day before. So, you know, in developing a series of podcasts and developing a series of um, programs, what would the journey, what's this journey going to look like? You know, every every couple of weeks we'll put out a podcast and we'll have a different level of content. Yep. What are some of the things that, uh, you know, people who care to listen in might be, you know, accessing from us? Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, uh, stress and anxiety or management of stress and anxiety uh, is is a big one for club-level golfers. Um, you know, the, the, the fear of embarrassment, the, all, all the sorts of different things that the club golfer will experience. Um you know, we, we put uh, – I put a post out the other night and have had, you know, some great feedback in regards to some questions for tonight's episode, which we'll, we'll get to later. But, again, those questions will drive the future content because yep. I, want, I want the people that are listening and engaging in this podcast to actually put forward what they would like to hear. But, you know, a lot of – a lot of – a little bit of a breakdown of, of the human mind and the brain and, and, and what – part that plays in 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 the game um but more importantly you know expectation management um preparing to to perform your best under under pressure situation and that's different for everybody i think the important thing with the mental game is there is no right or wrong there's no one blanket approach to to this element of the game similar to the technical side it's everyone is different everyone is unique we're going to uh, throw some some different ideas out there about what to try, how to approach different situations and scenarios. Um, but ultimately, it is it's dependent upon each individual. Um, so you know, very much uh, I want to provide practical strategies. So at the end of every podcast, I'll hope to give two or three exercises or or drills or or ways to. 
uh, be able to start to take control of your mental game um, because anyone that's played golf long enough knows how damn crazy this game is, mm. is that the only thing you really have control over is yourself, the way you act, react. Um, you don't have control over your outcomes, um, you know, the, the way the golf is, the bad breaks you get, um, you, you get punished maximum for a very minor mistake. Um, and then the opposite can happen um, where you don't get punished for a mistake and funnily enough you get rewarded. Like even this morning playing a peninsula, uh, playing with a gentleman, first time we played together, um, first hole in the south, he plays off scratch, he gets up there and just hits the driver off the bottom of the face just straight right into the garbage, hits a provisional, big high block cut right into the garbage. And we go down there and his first ball is on the 17th fairway, like just went through the bracken and it's just sitting there. You know, he's got – he can't even see the green and he hits his shot up there to like 12 feet and holds a putt for birdie. And he walked off the tee thinking he's lost both balls and he's just had a wipe to start the day. Like that's how crazy the game is. Yeah. You know, like it's just it, it's just mind-boggling how how different this game is compared to other sports. Um, so just, yeah, I want to get people to enjoy and embrace the craziness of golf. Maybe there's uh, just thinking as we're talking and maybe there's an opportunity for us to, you know, bring with this bit of technology that we've got here recording this, bring bring some people into the podcast and maybe maybe take some live calls and run through some case studies, you know, because I've got a case study to, um, from today and, you know, I've also played golf. We didn't play together but um, I played in the afternoon. And, you know, I was cru- not cruising long. I was actually playing really well. I was one over par after nine holes. Now, which for me uh, around the north course of Peninsula is not a bad result. Playing with a golf professional and a very good one at that and we were sort of level pegging and after – no, the 18th hole was the ninth hole, so we played the back nine first. After the 18th hole, uh, you know, walked up to the front first tee and something happened, something changed and basically what changed was led to the downfall of my round basically. Yeah. And one situation that I sort of, you know, and I'm asking you to buddy, help me work through this, but one situation that I can sort of pinpoint that happened was my playing partner pulled out a driver on a, on a hole – which is not really a driver hole. It was downwind, um, so he could have hit five iron. But he said, I'm going to hit driver. Probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. And in that moment, I felt something overcome me and say, hmm, if he can do it, I'm doing it. Yeah. And, of course, the result was I hit the worst drive of the day, blocked into the bracken fern, lost ball. Next one, you know, another unlucky break, hit a decent shot, but it rolled off the fairway into – you know, the gunge on the left, yep. made a six. Yep. And it was the, the downfall of my round. And it almost felt like, you know, my round had become to a, got to a point at nine holes, like that's great, I'm going along really well and I made – something happened. Yeah. And I didn't recover from that. Yeah. And it affected a number of other things within the round. For the next for the, nine. For the next, for the next nine. Yeah. Yeah. Are there, you know, are we able to help with people with strategies around something, a situation like that? You know, is that something that, because I'm sure that situation happens to a number of people listening. Yeah. Uh, they can, whether it's that mid-round slump, you know, all the things that we've heard and read about before um, for no rhyme or reason. But, you know, do you think that we'll be able to help the listeners, you know, at some point develop an understanding of why that might happen and give them some strategies or techniques that they might be able to put in place to, to limit those factors? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when you brought that up and we just discussed it briefly, um, one of the things that I mentioned was, you know, uh, ego versus mastery is that you reacted in that moment out of ego, out of not wanting to keep up, but if, if he can do it, I can do it. And you were, you know, making that decision based on a player who was – not at your level, he's a few levels above you, which is, Definitely. you know, which men, we're great at that. We're great at thinking we can do something that is over and above our ability. Um, 
But I said to you also, I said it's it's about understanding your patterns and it's like people that go for the hero shot when they know they shouldn't. It's about understanding your patterns and pre-planning or pre-preparing yourself for the, that moment. So an hour or two before the round or the day before the round, start to prepare yourself mentally and, and think about, okay, these are my patterns that cost me shots. Tomorrow my focus and my emphasis is making sure I stay true to my game plan, stay true to making smart decisions versus hero decisions and ultimately my goal for the round is to be completely in control of all of those decisions. I don't care what score I shoot. So bring the goal, the emphasis back to decision-making process Um, and, uh, uh, you know, one thing that the other thing we mentioned is I do a lot of um, three-hole checkpoints. I get clients to, after three holes, just have a go through a bit of a, a checkpoint. Just do a uh, a mental and a physical scan. So uh, you know, just scan your thoughts. Am I am I still thinking clearly? Am I still sticking to my game plan? Do a mental scan, a physiology scan of okay, how's my body feeling? Am I still relaxed? I'm calm. Am I confident? just every three holes and then go again for the next three. I think a lot of club golfers use that little bit of a, a scan after nine holes and mm. by that time it's the, the damage is already done. That's two, two and a half hours into a round of golf. So much can change from a mental and emotional point of view. Um, so, yeah, having those three-hole checkpoints where you just check in with yourself after you write your score, score down on that third hole, the sixth hole, the ninth hole, it just – Keep checking in with yourself so you never get too far off track um, because it's ultimately, you know, let's say we, we talk about zero to five, it's ultimately stage three to four, four to five that cause those really poor decisions and the blowout holes. But if if you're at a one out of five or a two out of five mm-hmm. from a, uh, whether it be an emotional point of view, um, then you're going to be able to manage the damage that, um, you know, that, uh, that can occur. So I guess that scanning point, you know, as you say, starts the day before. You know, yeah, there should be a multiple multiple scans that you're doing. You know, if you're, if you're serious about your golf, and I think we all are, but and if we've got this far in the podcast, you know, I think we're only we're talking to serious golfers who want to get better. Um, you know, that scanning point can can be, yeah. You know, let's say when you wake up in the morning, yeah, yeah, you know, whether you've slept well, yeah, um, whether you're hydrated, and all, all of those things that we that we know about. Um, you know, my round today then subsequently went and I said it affected everything else but yeah there was one key point now you know you know my game well enough but I'll, I'll tell everyone else that and the people who listen on the My Love of Gold podcast know that I'm constantly berating myself for my short game and, and making light of it at my own expense which I'm totally fine with I probably realise now you know after spending some time with Jamie that's probably not a good strategy but what happened after putting myself under the pressure of you know, oh, now I'm not only one over par, I'm, I'm three over par and, you know, I'm coming up to a stretch of holes which are the tougher holes in the course. Um, sort of got somewhat back on track but got to the fourth hole and then the fourth hole was probably index three on the course, index four. It's one of the tougher holes. It was downwind. I thought, well, my strength is my driver. I'm going to shoot this down the right-hand side with a bit of draw. Came back down. I was probably 15, 20 metres maximum off the front of the green. My next shot was played from 15 to 20 metres through the back of the green. So something happened. I'd been chipping and, and my short game had been okay. It's, it, yeah. I probably never acknowledged that it's great, yeah. but it was okay. You yeah. know, and okay for me is I'd made some good effective chips. I'd made you know some technique that I'd been working on. I'd implemented that and it was working well. I hadn't flubbed anything. I hadn't skinned anything. You know, The ball spun and stopped within yeah. a reasonable – but all of a sudden – I'm now putting. My, I'm now feeling this anxiety and pressure, yeah. and it was like I just regressed. Anything that I'd done well yeah. had gone, and yeah. the feeling of that had gone away. Yeah. And here I was knifing one through the back, and you know, just feeling like I'd taken ten steps back. Yeah, and then another double bogey. Yeah, because it's an interesting one because that was after piping a drive three hundred meters. Yeah, because we look at. I mean, obviously, we look at the you know your your short game stuff and and how you berate yourself, and we talk a lot about what what your golf identity, like what identity or what story are you telling yourself about yourself? Mm. 
And if you continually talk about yourself in regards to I've got a shitty short game, then there's going to be moments in a round of golf where maybe that shot's quite a crucial shot and then your identity comes to the surface. Prior to and earlier in the rounds where maybe the shots weren't as crucial, you weren't putting as much emphasis on outcome, you might have been able to stick more to your process of what is it that I'm technically need to do here, mechanically need to do here to to give myself a chance of executing the shot. A lot of people think that thinking about mechanics is is a negative from a mental game point of view, but it's, that couldn't be further from the truth. Depending upon where you are, and, and I put it in my post up today about my round, competence before confidence. If right. you don't have competence, mm-hmm. you cannot have confidence. A lot of the yips or... Uh, you know, those sort of deficiencies in games, a lot of them are driven by poor mechanics. Okay, so you've got to have competence. Now, what you were doing early in the round was you were focusing on your mechanics, on your actions, the moves that you need to, to have to execute a good shot. Now, I'm sure within uh, that moment of the second shot on the fourth hole where anxiety kicked in, maybe you became a little bit more attached to the outcome of the shot, the pressure of I've got to get this up and down and, and make a birdie and get a shot back and you gave all power to the outcome which is your external attention and not enough on your internal attention. What what do I need to do right now to give myself the best chance to hit a good shot? Um and, you know, we'll talk about a lot about internal, external attention in upcoming upcoming podcasts. But, um, you know, with that three-hole, I, I call it a thought journal. I get clients to they have a notepad, just every three holes. If you notice anything, a thought, mm-hmm. write it down. Just, just write it down. Um, because one of the important things that I take all clients through and new clients especially is what I call a cognitive sequence. And that cognitive sweet sequence consists of your thinking, it begins with your thinking. So there's four stages. There's thoughts, emotions, behaviours, outcomes. So your thoughts drive your emotions. The way you think and what thoughts you have puts you in a specific emotional state. Okay, That emotional state basically drives your behaviours, the way you perform, the way you swing a golf club. If you're confident, the way you swing a golf club is going to be different than if you were fearful anxious um so then your behaviors the way you swing golf club obviously have a massive impact on the quality of outcomes you have Mm. so all all goes back to the first thing which is your thinking now if i said to you when was the last time you practiced your thinking you're on the range or went out for nine holes by yourself and you said today i'm going to go out there and i'm going to practice the quality of my thinking when would you have ever done that? Well, I don't even have to think about it because it's never. Never. But it's the most powerful tool we have as golfers. A mate of mine who I play with um, at Peninsula, good friend of ours, um, I won't mention his name, Shura, but um, <laughs> we were playing at Peninsula one day. First drive-by for Shura Taft. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just standing there and he looked uncomfortable. And watch, he's got a little pitch shot into, into a par five, um, into the eighth hole there and he hit a shank. And he turned around and he said, I knew I was going to do that. I knew I was going to shank it. He goes, tell me what to do. And I said to him basically, you know, you've got to go and practice your thinking. And he blew it off and he goes, no, 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 tell me what to do. I'm like, no, no, seriously. You knew by the thoughts you were having you were going to shank it. You've got to practice better thoughts. And it's honestly, it's one of the most important things. I'll do sessions. I'll have a notepad right next to my client's feet any thoughts you're aware of that are, you know, maybe unproductive, just write them down. Mm. Write them down. Stop, write them down, then we'll go back to it. Some thoughts are, uh, are, f- are fleeting. You know, we don't – there's so many thoughts we have. We have in excess of, you know, sixty to 80,000 thoughts a day, right? So it's a huge amount of thoughts. We have a lot of thoughts. Most of them don't mean anything. They're just thoughts that, that just flow by like clouds in the sky and it's the same with our thinking around shots. Don't go left. It's just a thought. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're going to hit it left unless you let that thought sit and you react or respond to that thought. But if you just let that thought go, another thought's going to come. 
And all of a sudden that thought of don't going left's gone. You can, it's going to be replaced with something else. Like, oh, maybe I'll hit it 10 feet right of the pin. So it's, it's a matter of practicing your thinking, mm. which is, you know, I, I would challenge all of the listeners to next time they go and practice or go and play a few holes by yourself to actually practice your thinking and what type of thinking is beneficial for you. A couple of interesting things in that little, you know, discussion thread there. And I'll go back to the first one. So you started talking about technical, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that practice and the, I don't know how you articulate it. Tell me if I'm wrong the right way, but, um, you know, feeling, you know, practicing your, your technique yep. and getting that, that right. Yeah. So I immediately started to think about tall players, yep. you know, I'm always looking above. Yep. So I'm looking at the tall players and, you know, I start to look at the players like a Justin Rose or a, um, uh, Eddie Pepperell yep. or a uh, Alex Noren, yep. you know, that have these very defined and very, you know, on the surface, you know, to the to the unknowing would look like a strange sort yep. of practice routine. Yep. So I guess, tell me if I'm wrong, you know, is that what they're doing? You know, they're, they're, they're getting that technical part and they're just ingraining that part yep. without the need to go to any other place. Yeah. Well, we I had the the uh, – the, the luxury, I'm going to say, of walking nine holes with Alex Noren at the PGA this year. So Herbie played um, nine holes with him and he's a really interesting like pre-shot routine and very like overly exaggerated me- me- sort of technical feel. And um, I think the thing that, that I really noticed was he gets exaggerated so that in his shot he can let it go. Mm. He doesn't think about it. And yeah. I talk a lot about residual like – Making sure your your, your routine um, is simple and purposeful, so that you can actually use some of that as residual. That sensation or that practice swing or whatever it is you're doing, that sensation may last for five, six, seven, eight, nine seconds. So you can actually perform off the residual sensations of your routine, and that's what Noren does. He's so exaggerated. But that sensation in his body, that feel that he needs to make, because it's so exaggerated, may last for 12 seconds. So when he hits the shot, he doesn't need to think about it because his physiology is still feeling those sensations. But one thing that you mentioned there, which we all do and it's we shouldn't, is we look at these players and see what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. That's our worst nightmare. Right. Because... Like club golfers, and that's why I talk a lot about competence versus confidence. These elite players, they're so competent where you and I will, will put me because I'm just coming back in, just had a lesson a few weeks ago. I'm still trying to learn how to ride the bike of a golf swing, mm. f- figure out like what am I doing and what works for me. So I actually have to think a little bit more about my mechanics at this point in time Today I hit the ball really nicely um, because I've been thinking about my mechanics the last three or four rounds. I've had a couple of practice sessions. What those practice sessions do for me is they create a really simple less is more process because I get rid of all the little things. I'm like this this is what works for me. Mm. So then I can keep it simple. But obviously I would like to get to a point where I don't have to have as much you know, connection or attention on mechanics, but also ultimately it doesn't matter. If I hit the ball like the way I hit the ball today for the next 10 years and I have to think about mechanics, I'm happy. Because one thing that we do as golfers is we push aside and try and avoid the importance of the outcome. Pre-shot routine, process, processes everything, process, processes everything. It's a crock of shit. Like... The outcomes are everything. We get judged on outcomes and outcomes only, not on how pretty our pre-shot routine was or how consistent we were. Mm-hmm. It's a safety blanket to make us feel better when we fail. It's okay to fail. Like mm-hmm. it, This is the thing that I, I want to try and really bring is we need to invite and, and engage and confront stress, anxiety, pressure, fear, whatever it is. Don't avoid it. Don't try and block it out because you're not going to win. Mm. Bring it in. 
and actually start to learn why am I feeling this way in this situation? What does this mean to me that makes me feel this way? Instead of just going, oh, block it out, block it out. We can't do that anymore. So I guess the other part that I was going to come to, and it's sort of aligned to what you were just you know, talking about then, and you know, I play with a lot of guys who you know, are very, very stats-driven, you know, and mm-hmm. I see a lot of people you know, taking um, numbers on fairways hit, uh, left or right, you know, putts you know, and various other stats. Yeah. But you mentioned about, you know, three-hole thought, yeah. you know, download. Yeah. I don't see anyone writing down, yeah. felt stressed, yeah. felt great, yeah. you know, I'm a bit I'm a bit anxious about, you know, the, ch- the chip shot that I had that I made last, you know. Yeah. No one's doing that. And and I guess that's what, you know, you know you're saying there is inviting inviting these thoughts in yeah. and letting them become real yeah. in a way that you can then – let them go. That's right. I mean, just l- learn from them. Like I'm feeling and, and learn more about yourself and how you react and respond to to the game of golf because, you know, that whole saying golf is life and, you know, you, you, the way you react to your golf game and the pressure is also a possibly the way you react to stress and pressure in life itself. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it, it is very closely related. But, um, you know, I think it's – it's just an, an interesting point where, you know, stats are, are great but what if you missed that fairway because of there was water left and you had a, a what we classify as an unproductive thought or you tried to avoid thinking about the water and then you hit it, you know, you, you, you blocked the ball right. Some players are going to look at that as your swing broke down but it, you, might, you, you know, it was your mind that broke down. Um an interesting one on that avoidance pattern was um, working with um, uh, an Aussie pro, Andrew Sconville, who I've worked with Sconners for, for a number of years. And um, a few months back, you know, we were just talking about that that um, that avoidance pattern or, or just inviting thoughts in. You know, if you're having a negative thought or you're having any thought, just let them be there. Don't try and fight these thoughts anymore. Just let them be there. And um, anyway, a few few weeks later he's playing at, um, at Cape Shank and – having a pretty nice round and he's got three holes to go and he said to his playing partners, he goes, hey, boys, if I birdie the last three, I shoot 59. And the guys he was playing with are like, oh, you can't say that. Don't do that. You'll moz yourself. You know, you mm. you obviously got to try and block it out and not think about it. Like as most club golfers do, like when you have a good, good round going and, you know, Susie says to Judy, oh, you're playing well today and Judy's like, oh, I've lost it. You know, you've made me think about it now. Well, anyway, Sconner's said, you know, if I birdie the last three, I'll shoot 59. So he's gone birdie, eagle, birdie and shot 58 because he he invited that situation in. He didn't let that situation uh, overtake him um, and control him. He took control of the situation, confronted it and then obviously that's a very empowering state and then more importantly he then committed to his plan. Okay, I'm now going to commit to hitting a good shot here. Um, and he didn't have a pattern of, of fear or avoidance um, because he confronted it. And it's something that I really want to engage with the listeners in this podcast on all the myths of the mental game. You know, don't think about the trouble and your pre-shot routine. You know, you have to do the same thing every time. Like to me that's to do the same thing every time when you never ever have the same shot twice and your relationship to each shot is different. Why do the same thing every time? That doesn't make sense to me. Not at all. <laughs> when you put it that way, not at all. So so I guess there's going to be a whole load of stuff that we can deliver. There's one one last anecdote, I guess, that uh, before we move into some questions that, that I want to throw up and it's something that I have been working on but it was reminded to me by my good friend Stuart Kerr. Now, if you know the name Stuart Kerr, he's part of uh, – Eric Anders Lang's team who are doing um, running around the world filming adventures in golf. Now, Stuart had a uh, hole-in-one recently. I think it was his first. It was I def- hate him. <laughs> hate Stuart. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I know why. No. Guys, so that's why I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, if you follow Jamie enough on uh, Instagram, you, you will know that he gets oft berated about not having had a hole-in-one. So yeah, I didn't go down this to point that out, Jamie, that's not what I was thinking at all. I'm, but I'm inviting it, I'm inviting yeah, it. That, that's right, and this is where I'm going. So Stuart had a hole-in-one at um, Cape Kidnappers. 
nice. or carry cliffs, one of the two, Cape yeah. Kidnappers or carry cliffs. It was unbelievable. And it was on footage, you know, and he stepped up to the tee, said, boys, I'm going to have a hole in one. Bang, they've got it on drone. Go and have a look at the video on Eric Anders on YouTube. It was yeah. fantastic. You know, it was his yeah. first ever hole in one and it's just amazing to Very see them nice. capture it. Yeah. But in the outtake of that, and this is the point, you know, Stuart was talking about some of the his daily routines yeah. and that five-minute journaling and yeah. that, that positive affirmations. And yeah. one of those positive affirmations that he mentioned in that video was to have a hole in one. Yeah. And since he – and the timeline between – doing that and the affirmations yeah. became true in yeah. a very, very rapid time. Yeah. Now I equate that to my own game and, and some of the things that I try and do very early part in the journey, this mental mastery game for me and you know, thanks for your help. But one of my weaknesses that I discovered was um, in keeping some stats. I'm not a big stats keeper. I'm more of a yeah. feel person but I was losing shots on par threes. threes yeah. I wasn't hitting par threes yeah. so therefore putting myself under pressure with the short game. Yeah. And it was just, you know, disaster recovery. Yeah. Since thinking about a hole-in-one, now yeah. a hole-in-one is not something I've had since the 14th September 1987, yeah. to give you an indication of how old I am. But since I started thinking about I am going to have a hole-in-one sooner rather than later, yeah. funnily enough, Your stats improved. my par three game is now one of the best parts. You know, my seven, I almost felt like, and I would joke about this in a negative way. Once again, talking to myself in that probably what you, you know, I'm going yeah. to learn is not the best way to talk to myself that give me a seven iron, you know, 150 out yeah. and I'll put it on the green on a par four, par five or wherever. Yeah. Give me a seven iron, 150 out with a T block either side of me yeah. and watch me hit it left, right, yeah, thin, yeah, yeah. fat, whatever. Yeah. But since I started to think about narrowing my vision to I want to have a hole in one, yeah. I think it's improved my ability to well, you've, you've, you've got intention now. Right. That's you've got, you've got an intention where possibly before you knew your stats on par threes weren't great, so maybe you were performing with a bit of an avoidance, meaning you're avoiding hitting a shit shot. Where So that's you're not going to be able to commit to hitting a shot. Mm. But as soon as you say, oh, I want to have a hole in one, you're now giving yourself some intention and something to commit to. Same thing happened to me a few years ago um, where all this hole-in-one stuff started. A couple of clients just thought they'd make a great joke of tagging me in every post of anyone on social media having a hole-in-one. and um, So then I'm like, that's it, screw you. I'm going to have a hole-in-one. And I hit some of the best iron shots on par threes I've hit in a long time because of that fact. I, had, I didn't care if I hit one out of bounds or in the water. I was just trying to hit that in the hole and um, – you know, the law of attraction, um, obviously, you know, it, it attracted itself to Stu pretty well. It hasn't done so with me as yet. But um, but it's – for me it's, again, you know, facing the fear. I, if, if I commit to hitting a good shot and I don't, I'm much more okay with that than if I'm standing up there scared, worried, concerned, fearful, and then I just come out of a shot. Like performing in a state of fear is one of the most – uncomfortable, uh, unhappy states we can function in. So. Well, Jamie, if the outcome of this podcast series is is the fact that you and I achieve a hole-in-one, I think we've uh, we've hit the goal. But um, I, I'm absolutely the belief that it's not too far away from me. After years of playing golf uh, since coming back to the game after having a break, you know, of not thinking that it's ever going to happen again and making a joke of it, I actually believe that I'm going to have a hole-in-one. So there you go. Like so, mate, we've got some questions here that uh, the listeners uh, or the followers of you on uh, Instagram and some of mine were happy yeah. enough to um, shoot to us. So yeah. why don't we run through in uh, some of those? And yeah. I'll run through, I'll run through yeah. those. Um, yeah, thank everyone uh, for, for sending those through. That was, uh, that was great. Um, I'll, uh, I'll just go through um, one at a time. First one is uh, Jack uh, on Instagram, best way to practice mental performance. Um, Obviously, mental performance is a fairly, I'd consider a, a, a fairly big, large sort of uh, box of tools. So, tune into the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast every week. There's one way. It, exactly. That's a good thing. Um, I think first is to clarify the specific areas where, you know, you feel, Jack, that you need, you need strength in, whether it's self belief, uh, focus, um, transferring your practice form to a competitive setting. Uh, so, just, 
to be able to really clarify what those areas are for you. Um, I think a couple of, you know, generic, uh, you know, processes that I think a lot of people can really benefit from is creating some stillness and calmness in a round of golf. So, um, you know, practicing hitting balls uh, in, in a state of calmness, um, getting out on the golf course, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, but practicing being calm in that moment. Um, you know, managing expectations is another one. Um, I think a lot of people, especially club golfers, their expectations are probably a little out of whack um, because they've hit that six iron, you know, high and drawing to that back left pin. They've hit it, you know, twice in their life. They think it's all of a sudden become a 90% shot when it's a 0.9% shot. So, you know, managing expectations is a big one. Um, but I know Jack is, uh, uh, is a, you know, I think a scratch golfer. So, you know, Jack, I think practicing with some consequence and some competitiveness, make practice harder, more stressful than tournaments so um you know a lot of consequence practice a lot of competitive practice um i think that is a great way for you to practice some of those mental game skills so uh next question was from uh from pete on instagram uh focusing on target or focusing on routine uh he said that was always an interesting conversation um so you know focusing on routine as i said it's um I would hope to think in a productive routine that that most routines do have some form of connection to the target, but there are people out there that have zero connection to the target. So um, again, it's just a little bit of horses for courses, what works best for you. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that internal and external attention, um, which we'll, we'll go into in a later podcast, but internal attention is having your mind's attention on uh, on your body, on what you're doing uh, versus external attention, which is having your target, uh, sorry, having your mind's attention on the target. So uh, there's a, a mind's eye exercise um, that I'll be doing in the video program and also in uh, an upcoming uh, podcast that I'll talk about that, that really goes into more of that detail about how to strengthen your mind's ability to connect to the target. So um yeah, so that is a um, that's a great one. So Pete, keep an eye out for that one. Um, also, Pete just spoke about expectations. You know, the management of expectations. Um, one things I one thing I like to do is have building blocks instead of having one big goal to break that goal into three or four smaller goals, so that um, you can have those little building blocks along the way. So it's a sort of a, a multi-tiered expectation as opposed to just having one goal. You know, again, that goal of, you know, shoot for the clouds, sky or, you know, when you'll fail, you hit the clouds, whatever that BS statement is, I'm not quite sure. But again, that's another one I'm, I'll bring up about goal setting and how unproductive I perceive that type of uh, uh, goal setting is. But um, uh, next question comes from uh, Aiden on uh, on Instagram. Um this is an interesting one, Ros Roscoe. I want you to listen to this and, and, and tell me what you think. Uh, how do I stick to the game plan on course without losing focus and doing same old stupid stuff? Now, if I asked you which word stands out in that statement, I'll read it again. How do I stick to the game plan on course without losing focus and doing the same old stupid stuff? Stupid. Stupid. So possibly, again, that comes into that identity, the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. Let's say if Aiden has been creating this pattern of just, you know, brain farts, for example, by the sounds of it. Um, you know, Aiden, maybe you are creating that story in your head that you do stupid stuff and then inevitably what's going to happen is you're going to just keep repeating history. So I would say you know, first and foremost, I try and identify what type of golfer you want to be. So what's the opposite of a golfer that does stupid stuff? Think about what that is, what decisions, what actions, what behaviors, what thoughts would a player of that identity have during a round of golf? Once you clarify that, then make it your objective, make it your goal. Next time you go out there 
to focus on executing, committing those actions, those behaviours, those thoughts of that golfer that is opposite to the person that does stupid stuff. So um, I hope that makes sense. Again, identity and storytelling is going to be a great uh, a great uh, podcast and also will be, be part of, um, you know, one of the video programs coming up soon. Uh, next uh, question is uh, from uh, Jack. Uh, tip on getting into the zone or scoring mindset from the first tee, which Jack, great question. Um, again, Jack's a, a scratch golfer, tournament golfer, um, Really, really good question. I'm going to break it down very simply. First, tip on getting into the zone. Well, the zone is a, is a, is a state of uh, calmness and clarity. Um, so when we, we talk about that from a, a mind point of view, we want, to, we want to go through a decluttering process. So a four or five minute, say, meditation session, breathing session, uh, a four or five minute session with your earphones in, just decluttering your mind just to keep it nice and clear. That is going to help you to access the zone. Um, and then the next one, which is getting getting yourself into a scoring mindset from the first tee, that is a great one. And it comes back to your pre-round warm-up. For the most part, when I watch, uh, even at the elite level, people warming up, um, we want to look at activating your nervous system. When you're in competitive mode, um, your nervous system is activated and engaged. You're competing, you're intense. We want to replicate or, or trigger that sort of state in your warm-up. So uh, add in a little bit of consequence practice into your, uh, into your pre-round warm-up. So if there's a you know, pin that you're aiming at, perceive that pin's on the left side of the green. Give yourself a 25, you know, 20 foot, 25 foot sort of, uh, I suppose target area right of the pin. If you, let's say you've got a seven iron, and give yourself, you know, okay, I've got to hit three out of four of these within that twenty foot dispersion right of the pin with none going left. So, add a bit of that consequence, and also add a bit of that competitive mindset where you've got to hit three out of four. Um, you know, that's uh, I know Francesco Molinari's done a huge amount of you know uh, competitiveness, single ball competitiveness in his warm up to replicate. Uh, what he's going to deal with when he when he goes out on the golf course, and all really that's doing is activating your nervous system and switching your mindset over into the mindset that you're going to need to compete in. So, um, great question there, Jack. Uh, next one's from Blake. Um, how do I control anger? It's a very broad question and a very tough one to answer, but for the most part. Two things, it's uh, expectation and acceptance. So what I'll say is, again, expectation. Um, a lot of golfers go out there and expect today to be the day. Today is going to be that day and their expectations are quite high and it's a perfectionism type of an expectation. And then when reality hits, they're not prepared for it. So I would just say to prepare yourself for reality, which means prepare yourself for unlucky breaks, bad bounces, uh, missed short putts, uh, bad shots. Um, just prepare yourself that that is going to happen in the upcoming round so that when it does happen, you're already pre-prepared for it. You, it's not so much of a shock to the system and that anger won't get get triggered or get escalated. So, um, And the acceptance part of it, just accept that golf is really tough and that you're not perfect that you're human, that you make mistakes. So if you can just f you know, really focus on just adding a little bit of that expectation management and that acceptance, I think that's going to go a long way to uh, some good emotional control there, Blake. Uh, next question uh, is from uh, B. Watson Golf on Instagram. Uh, how to accept the bad um, and uh, a process to keep emotions on an even keel. Um a little bit about what we spoke about before, just about preconditioning yourself for reality before the round of golf. Um, prepare yourself for for what would be reality, and and our all of our realities are different. So it's important that you prepare yourself for your reality at your level, um, at the course you play. You know what are the things that uh, that happen that do derail you, um, and again that pre-planning or pre-conditioning yourself will actually help you to keep your emotions uh, even. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, 
that's an important one. We'll also talk a lot about the post-shot routine in, in the, the next podcast um, and that's a really big one for helping to keep emotions nice and, and even. So uh, make sure you listen out for that one. Um, Good question, Billy. And I see Billy uh, Billy Watson. Billy is, Watson, um, yep. Is a uh, second-year PGA of Australia trainee up at the Long Reef Golf Club. Great. You ever, well, play, you ever played at Long Reef? I haven't. I heard it's gorgeous. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I heard it's gorgeous and I'll, uh, I'm heading up to Sydney uh, later in the month but I probably won't get a chance to play it but um, I hear it's gorgeous. Go and see Billy at uh, Long Reef Golf Club. What a place. Yeah, no, Billy, that's, uh, that's sensational and um, as I said, we'll, we'll get into that post-shot routine stuff in the next, uh, in the next podcast. So um, next question is, best advice for concentrating on positive and keep negative thoughts away from... Renata on Instagram. Um, well, as I just said, similar sort of a question. Uh, post-shot uh, is, is going to be an important one, but acceptance that negative thoughts are normal. Um, a lot of people have this fear of a negative thought and what it means and, and what it's going to do to our performance, but just because we have a negative thought, it doesn't mean uh, we, we're going to hit a poor shot, you know. As I said to someone the other day, you know, just because there's a cloud in the sky doesn't mean it's going to rain. So just be aware that negative thoughts are very normal and that they don't mean anything. Um, so that's uh, – and this is a, an interesting example. Um, Ruff, Ryan Ruffles was telling me uh, the other month um, he played with Jason Duffner and uh, Pat Perez in a PGA Tour event. Uh, I think it was last year. And first hole – uh, Duff hits one off the tee. I think it was in the Zurich Classic when he played with Jason Day. Um, I think, you know, Duff hits one off off the tee and hits an okay shot, but he's like he's berating himself. He's telling him, you know, what an idiot he is and he's such a loser. And then Pat Perez hits one and he's like just into himself. So they're being so negative, but that works fine for them. Just because they're being negative, it doesn't mean it has a negative impact on performance. But that's what drives them. That's just, you know, a little bit of self-deprecating humour, which humour is always a great source of emotion or a great strategy to, to you know, keep your emotions sort of under check a little bit. But it's an interesting thing that, you know, we perceive a negative thought to be negative when it's just, just a thought. Just another thought. Just another thought in the other 60 or 80,000 that we have each day. Mate, have you still got some questions there because we've – Getting short on time and we've covered a lot. We probably might leave some of those questions to next, next Perfect. week. If there are well – not if there are, there will be some more questions. Please just fire them through to us. Keep it coming because, you know, your questions will drive the direction, drive some of the content. It will tell us what you want to learn from this and it will allow Jamie to craft, you know, a great podcast every week. So the questions are super, super valuable and – we really do appreciate uh, the feedback that we've got so far just based on you know, a couple of posts on, on Instagram yeah. saying yeah. putting this together. Yeah. Um, and once again, you know, I'll, I'll say it again, that uh, the feedback that I got was first class and uh, I really do think that you know, what you're onto here with uh, doing this and putting it out together, um, we're on a winner. I think, uh, I think as a first episode, Jamie, I, I, think, I think we've, you know, Great. It's gone a bit longer than I probably in no, no. <laughs> intended, but yeah, uh, look, the people. What I what I've learned from uh, the My Life of Golf podcast is that you know people consume the podcast in a different way. If they have a time for an hour, yeah, they'll take an hour. Yeah. If they do it in two half hours, yeah, they'll do it in two half yeah. hours. No, that's great. So, um, you know, is there anything else for you, from you in closing, mate? Is there any any other? No. Look, I just uh, appreciate everyone. You know, the response and the questions that came through, and uh, as Roscoe said, we'll um, we'll get to those last sort of three or four questions uh, in that next podcast. Um, I think episode two. I want to really delve into routines and what that means: pre-shot, post-shot, pre-game, post-game, uh, subconscious mind stuff, and and that'll be that'll be really sort of impactful. But. Um, no, look, just appreciate everyone's support so far and uh, hit us up with any more questions or comments. So if you want to learn about routines and you have a routine and you want to uh, explore how that routine is working for you, you might shoot us an, uh, a note to say what it is and uh, we might be able to help you expand on that, improve it. We might be perfect. But uh, you know, next episode we'll be talking about that, maybe some other stuff. So on behalf of myself, Ross Flanagan, 
host of My Love of Golf podcast and co-host of the Mental Mastery Golf podcast. I'd like to thank you all for joining in. And Jamie, it's been great, mate. Yeah, thanks, Roscoe. I really appreciate your help, mate. Well, that's it. Episode one of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. You can check it out on Podbean. It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on everywhere where you get your podcasts. The important thing about a podcast and the success of it is that you tell a friend, share it. And if you like it, that is, of course, please share it because this is the way that will expand the message, expand the reach and help more and more golfers just like you, just like me and just like Jamie. Thanks again and until next time, the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast is now live. Appreciate your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.